Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Well, thank you, Nicole, and the blessings on your new year as you start the preschool. And good morning to everyone. Uh, always the highlight of my life to uh, worship with you. And I'm glad you're here this morning. And uh, the message is, uh, as we said, from Psalm 138, the message on gratitude. Uh, really highlighted yesterday. How about those Eskimos? <laughs> if some of you are tired today, you were so excited you couldn't sleep last night. Uh, it's amazing. A reason for gratitude. Father, I pray that this morning, uh, as we have the opportunity to unfold your word, that, God, you would, you would connect with us where we're at. You know our needs. You know some of the challenges that we're facing, some of the struggles that we're encountering. And you know the mountaintops that some of us are on. God, I pray that, uh, that you'll just meet us right where we're at today. You know every heart here this morning, and we, we pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon your word today. So all the glory and all the praise would go to you today. And we want to bless those young children that are up in the great room and in the nursery. We thank you, God, for those that are standing alongside of them and encouraging them and blessing them today as they teach and as they, as they guide and as they mentor. Bless our kids, Lord. Bless our youth ministry. And, Lord, every ministry of this church, to the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's hard not to notice the, tra- the 5 o'clock traffic on most weekdays. From about 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock, we have a whole host of people driving home from busy days at work, at school, and uh, they're hungry. They just want to get home. And if you stop at Safeway about that time or Sobeys, you can't help but notice the determined look on their faces as they pick up some food from the deli, uh, hardly managing to not eat a little of their purchase right in the store. They're just famished. And judging from the body language, they seem either (laughs) unhappy or grumpy or both. And as you, as you drive along and you glance over to the car next to you, you just see these faces, some of them looking so tired, so exhausted, so frustrated, and, and many of them just drained of emotion except for this gal, of course. Uh, maybe if we observe our culture and our community, 
Perhaps even our own lives, we would notice that gratitude is rarely expressed. There's a shortage of gratitude in our world today. Gratitude is an attitude. And I'm beginning to see more and more the connection between gratitude and generosity. A man filling out some forms at the post office desk was approached by an older gentleman, a senior, who had a little postcard in his hand. And the senior said, sir, could you please address this postcard for me? And the man said, I would be happy to do that for you. And he, he, he addressed it. He even wrote a short message on the postcard, and he even signed it for the man. Finally, the, the man doing the writing said to the senior, now, is there anything else I can do for you? I would be happy to do so. And the old fellow thought about it for a moment, and he said, yes. He said, at the end, you could just put, P.S., excuse the sloppy handwriting. Grateful, honestly. Maybe you've experienced that too. Uh, you've gone out of your way to help someone. Man, you, you gave of yourself. And then you got a little P.S. in life which said, basically, that they weren't, they weren't grateful for what you had done for them. I want to give you three reasons to value gratitude in your life. And if you want some wonderful reading materials, by the way, P.S., uh, pick up a copy of Ann Boskamp's book, 1,000 Gifts. Great read. It'll bless your heart. And I understand that she's got a new book coming out. And uh, it's already a bestseller. It's not out. It's pre-ordered. And that's, it's just going crazy. So 1,000 Gifts. Great read. Let me use Psalm 138 as our backdrop this morning. You probably don't have this psalm memorized. It's not overly familiar. It falls into the category of one of the Thanksgiving psalms. But the more you dig into the psalm, the more you appreciate the heart of the writer. And you begin to hear what the writer is saying. And perhaps you could categorize it a little bit into some themes, and that's what I'll try to do this morning. First of all, thankful for God's personal care and provision. The first few verses have a personal tone to them. You see a lot of eyes. First person response. I give you thanks. I praise you. I pray. And so the writer David starts the conversation this way. I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. You know, the Lord loves it when we are wholehearted in our response to him. Parents, I, I know you know the difference. When your children come to you and one parent is saying, you know, you really ought to say thank you to your mom for what she did for you. And they say, Thanks, Mom. It's so different from the response when they're in a great mood and they come running at you with all they've got and nearly bowl you over and say, Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's the best gift ever. That is a whole different response. And David says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. All my heart. Now, praise and thanks is, is like that. 
it starts from the soles of your feet, and it comes roaring up through your legs and your stomach and your chest, and it bursts out from the throat. It is full and beautiful and bold. Thank you. With all my heart, I give you thanks. Any amens out there? Still with me? Still alive? There's a sense from the text here that this Thanksgiving is happening in a public context. It's the thought of acknowledging to others our gratitude for those things that mean so very much to us. Ron Allen is a writer, commentator. He's commented on this psalm, and he puts it this way in the form of an illustration. He said, I was approached by an elderly gentleman who wished a word with me. He gave me his card and introduced himself as a veteran medical missionary in India. He had established a medical mission in a region where progressive blindness was peculiar to that region, where thousands of people were born sighted but were doomed to blindness as they matured. In a marvelous ministry to the whole person, the ophthalmologist had developed a procedure to arrest the terrible disease that had ravaged the people of that region of India. He then told me that as people would leave the clinic knowing that they would see when otherwise they might have become blind, they would simply say, they would not say thank you, for that was not in their dialect. Instead, they would say, I will tell your name. I will tell your name. I will make your name known. I'll tell others about you. And that's the meaning of the term here. With my whole heart, from the bottom of my feet all the way up to the throat of my neck, out of my mouth, I will tell your name. That is so awesome. I will tell your name. I'm going to spread your name around. I'm going to tell others what you've done for me. And isn't that an important word for us? Maybe a little different way to think of our gratitude for all that God has done. I'm going to tell your name. I'm going to make your name known, Lord. And I just feel that connects so well with living generously. We're grateful for what God has done. You know, you can be a generous person and not have gobs of money. I think sometimes we, we, we want to relate those two. You can be a generous person and just be kind of making it in life. You are generous when you are grateful. You are generous when you are grateful. Wherever you go this week, acknowledge humbly that he's the one that blesses our lives. And he gives us strength and grace. And tell his name. Tell his name on your block. Point to him. Spread his name around. Gratitude is the state of the heart. It's this incredible response of, wow, I'll tell your name because you're so good to me. I have to talk about this. Now, you see the phrase here, I will sing your praises before the gods. If you're reading the message this morning, uh, you're reading, I will sing your praises before the angels. And there's a fairly strong case to be made for that translation. Or, I will tell your name before the heavenly beings. Others have suggested that the psalmist is talking about people who worship many gods. And there are many idols. And in that context, David is saying, as I live my life in a polytheistic world, I represent my God. And I tell his name in that world. I tell his name. 
I think the truth fits both contexts, don't you? I mean, certainly we give our thanks and our praise before the angels. We declare that the Lord is good. But how wonderful to walk through this life with all the 21st century idols of a large city like Edmonton and declare His name. Tell His name. We tell His name in a pluralistic society. We tell the name in our community. We might be tempted to say, well, come on, this is my success. This is my income. This is my education. These are the things I have, and I'm here because I got the right stuff. I got the right stuff to be here. How much more accurate and fulfilling to say, I'll tell your name, Lord, because anything I have and all that I have is because of you. It is an absolute gift. And from the bottom of my feet, from my heart, from my lungs to my mouth, I just recognize it. It's a gift from you, and I give you praise. So the psalmist is grateful for the Lord's provision. And verse 3 adds to that when David says, As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. You can't walk through this life and not have some hard stuff to deal with. I chuckled, I tell you, out loud. I was golfing this summer with a guy. I didn't know him. And he said, Enough adversity already! (laughs) He'd been shooting it this way, this way. Enough adversity! I don't know who he's talking to. But uh, he wanted to make his point clear. You can't walk through this life And not have some stuff to deal with. And you never know when to expect it. But isn't it great to have someone to come to with your pain and your struggle? As soon as I pray, you answer me. I mean, look carefully. It may not be the final solution to the problem. But sometimes it's enough to know that the Lord knows. And you have given it to Him. And that's okay. There's an awesome spiritual therapy when we can hand it over to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm trying to deal with this the best I possibly can, but I really need you. As soon as I pray, you answer me. How? You encourage me by giving me strength. And isn't that one of the great blessings of life? We could all wish that every problem would disappear, but that's not realistic. But can you acknowledge this morning, can you say, I'll tell your name, because he encourages me and he gives me strength. And I just have the the energy and the capacity to keep going from day to day because he gives me strength. And when I come to him and I pour out my heart, I have this incredible sense that I'm heard and I'm loved. And therefore, I am encouraged. And in that context, that I gain perspective to take the next step. So don't miss this piece, please. Time alone with the Lord. Time to sort it through. Time to open your own heart and experience His encouragement. Maybe it'll become very clear what you need to do. If it's something you need to do. I need to go and, I, I need to go and apologize. I need to go and make it right. You need to find your peace in this hard experience. Or it may be you need to be patient with this situation. You need to wait. Whatever it is, it will flow out of your time alone with the Lord. 
And I know it requires a great deal of discipline to be alone with the Lord. The benefits are great. It'll change your life if you spend that time with Him. There's a second theme that comes through from Psalm 138, and it's wrapped around a futuristic perspective. The first theme relates to a personal response, but in the second, David relates to the, looks to the future, and he describes the glory of God. Thankful for God's incredible glory. And would you note these words from verses 4 to 6? Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble. Well, listen to that. He keeps his distance from the proud. Try to hear what the psalmist is saying here. He has a vision or a perspective of the future. He sees the kings of the earth acknowledging the Lord and giving him thanks. He looks down the road. I don't know how far down he can see. But don't you love that? Don't you wish that rulers around the world, the leaders of the G20, would, would, would look to God and just acknowledge who he is and say thanks to God for who he is? What a different world it would be. In fact, that they would even sing, as the scripture says, that they would sing of the ways of the Lord, that they would be so thrilled with him, that they would be overwhelmed by his incredible glory, the kings of the earth, overwhelmed by the glory of God. Wow. Now, we don't use that word too much, glory. In the Old Testament, the glory of, of God is seen as light. The Shekinah glory resided in the tabernacle, the Shekinah glory. No one could walk into the Holy of Holies without death. And when the glory struck men, it blinded them, like Saul on the road to Damascus. The glory of God. Glory, it's a picture of God's character. It's a picture of His holiness. And so picture this. David is looking down through the years of time. And he sees this wonderful applause of the kings through the years as they humbly acknowledge the presence of God, the ways of God, and the glory of God. We're listening to this debate in Quebec these days of removing all of the religious symbols in order for the province to present itself as neutral as possible, the charter of values. And as you've been hearing, there is a special exception for the cross in the National Legislative Assembly. It can stay because it falls under the category of cultural. That's the only cross that can stay in, in government buildings. Employees can't wear crosses, with the exception of very tiny little crosses, again, because they would represent culture, not the Christian faith. In our effort to be neutral, we remove ourselves from the awesome glory of God. Now, it doesn't sound like this verse. Every king, every leader in all the earth will thank you. Lord, for all of them will hear your words. But what if our leaders saw it differently? What if we flourished in the spirit of thanksgiving and acknowledged, I will tell your name. What if we opened our eyes to the goodness of God in our lives and blessed him and thanked him? However, this is the vision 
that David has. For the glory of God is so great that even the kings of the earth will humbly acknowledge him. Pray that our leaders in this country would want to say thank you, Lord, as they hear of the words of the Lord. And pray that they would sing about the Lord's ways. And pray that they would be so aware of the glory of the Lord. The glory of God will give you will will give your pain purpose. And I just want to underscore that this morning. The glory of God will give your pain purpose. Let me say it again. The glory of God will give your pain purpose. I read in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, of a blind man born in that condition. The disciples come to Jesus and say, Who's to be blamed? Is it this man or is it his parents? And if you remember the response of Jesus, he said, Neither. This is for the glory of God. This is for the glory of God. How mysterious. What a strange answer. And then when Lazarus dies suddenly and the disciples are grieved and embarrassed over not having been there and they're troubled in their soul, Jesus' friend is dead. Jesus calms them all down and he says, This death is for the glory of God. This death is for the glory of God. How mysterious. The longer I live, the more I realize I don't know the ways of God. He has purposes far beyond what I can ever figure out. But I have a deep core value in my heart that He is good and that He loves us. And that even in our pain, His glory can be revealed. How mysterious, but how wonderful. How mysterious, but how wonderful. In her book, The Hiding Place, Corrie Ten Boom tells of an incident that taught her the principle of giving thanks in all things. It was during the Second World War, and Corrie and her sister Betsy had been harboring Jewish people in their home. So they were imprisoned and arrested at, uh, at, at Ravensbrück camp. And the barracks were extremely crowded and infested with fleas. One morning they read in their tattered Bible from 1 Thessalonians the reminder to rejoice in all things. And Betsy said, Corey, we've got to give thanks for the barracks and even for the fleas. And Corey replied, no way I'm going to give thanks to God for fleas. But Betsy was persuasive. And they did thank God even for the fleas. During the months that followed, they found that the barracks was left relatively unsupervised, their particular building, and they could do Bible study, they could talk talk openly, and they could even pray in the barracks. It was their only place of refuge. It was several months later that they realized the reason the guards never entered their barracks was because of those blasted fleas. And listen, as you walk with God, as you keep your heart right with Him, even though you go through seasons of life that are very hard, you don't know. It may well be for the glory of God. So I want to challenge my heart this morning, and I want to challenge yours as well, to live in such a way that the glory of God is recognizable in our lives. 
And teachers, here we are already, second, second week, middle of September. You're getting back in the groove again. Students are getting back in the groove again. I just say to you, may the glory of God reside in you as you interact with your students. May there be such a sense that Mr. X or Ms. X is a man or woman who so walks with Jesus Christ that there's just a beautiful sense of the presence of God in your life. Businessmen and women, may there be a distinctiveness about your lives. May generosity abound. May grace abound. May your character and your integrity and your relationship with Christ be (coughs) so engaging that the glory of the Lord is all around you. And parents, what a challenging role to model your walk with God before your children. To be filled with God's power and grace and glory so you can encourage your children to walk in His steps as they follow you in your steps. May the Shekinah glory dominate and impact your life so that others, will, as they intersect with your life, say, wow, there is something unique. There is something attractive about your life. Verse 6 encourages us to walk humbly, walk humbly before the Lord. He cares for the humble. Look at this, but he, he keeps his distance from the proud. No comment even needed. He keeps his distance from the proud. The glory of the Lord fills humble hearts. And then thirdly, thankful for hope and a future. This past week was the short trial of a young man, only 22, Travis Baumgartner, who admitted that he killed three of his co-workers just over a year ago, June of last year. He will not receive a pardon for at least 40 years. My comment has nothing to do with the length of time that he will serve, but the utter despair he must feel. In his anger and uh, desperation, he made a decision that destroyed his life. And now if you were in his shoes, barring all that he's done. Where's the hope? How will he find hope? How do you live? Only Jesus. Look at these verses. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Hope is what keeps us all going. You know, we often say to one another, don't despair. All is not lost. There's a story about a missionary lady who was living in a missionary home. And she's strapped financially. She receives mail from home. And to her delight, as she slices open the envelope, out falls a $100 bill from her parents. A warm letter accompanies that, and she begins to read it. She's distracted because uh, outside the window is a shabbily dressed old man leaning against a post, moving about, shuffling here and there. And she cannot finish the letter for her compassion for this old man. And she says to herself, he needs it more than me. So she puts the 
$100 bill in a blank envelope, seals it shut, and writes two words on it as she sails it out the window. He catches it, opens it, finds the money, gives a quizzical look and reads on the envelope, don't despair. She calls out, I'll be praying. He walks away hurriedly. The next day he comes back and he wants to see the woman. She opens the screen and he tosses her a roll of money. What's this? She said, that's the money you got coming, lady. Don't despair. Paid five to one at the races. (laughs) That's not what don't despair means in Psalm 138. It means that in the, in the midst of great stress and distress, in the midst of being surrounded by enemies, we need not despair. The storm is raging, but in his hand we find protection and peace. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. Friends, do you need a little inspiration this morning? Just look around. Look around you. Look at some people you know, personally, who are really quite overwhelmed by troubles in their lives. And yet, and yet, they have latched onto a hope that sees them through. And in spite of all that is going on in their lives, they're grateful, they're thankful, and they have hope. A ship was wrecked, and the only survivor washed up on a small, uninhabited island. He was exhausted. He cried out to God to save him. Every day he scanned the horizon, searching for help. Finally, he managed to build a rough hut and put his few articles in that hut. And one day, coming home from hunting for food, he was stung with grief to see his little hut in flames and a cloud of smoke. The worst had happened. But early the next day, a ship drew in and rescued him. And he asked the crew, how did you know I was here? They replied, we saw your smoke signal. We saw your smoke signal. Maybe the difficulty you're experiencing now is a smoke signal that will lead to a greater blessing. And you just don't see the picture yet. The Lord will work out his plan for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Give thanks today. Give thanks for hope and a future. Know in your heart that he will work out the plans for your life. And give him thanks for his faithful, faithful love. He sees your smoke signal. I'll tell your name. I'll tell your name. This week, let's do it. Wherever we're at, let's do it. Let's just tell his name. Let's just point to him out of a deep gratitude in our hearts. Would you stand with me, please? We thank you, our Father, for this reminder today from the psalmist. Forgive us when we forget to tell your name in all that you're doing for us. Teach us to be a grateful people in all of the circumstances of life. And may the glory of the Lord be so evident in our lives. May the glory of the Lord be so evident in this church that people will have hope and encouragement. Thank you, God, with, with blessing us as you have. And we would be remiss today to walk away and not come back and say thank you.
thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We're going to tell your name. We're going to make your name known. Because we love you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.